Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. How to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and your life. And who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty. In fact, my team and I love the pretty. But what makes my firm different is that we can help you create designs that are also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey everyone. This is Amanda Gates and I'd like to welcome you to Home Energy Design. Today, I have Brittany Wood Nickerson coming back on the show. We had her on earlier in the summer, I think like the end of May or the beginning of June, and we got a flood of emails coming in asking all sorts of questions about our gardens, herbs, cooking, and all of that good stuff that I can't answer. So I have asked her to come back on the show to talk about how we can start winterizing our gardens preparing our herbs as things are starting to shut down and get ready for fall and how to take care of, you know, just preparing our gardens because we're starting to go into that morning phase. At least I am as I'm seeing my oregano and my rosemary and things starting to wilt and not do as well as they were in the spring. She has really put together some great tips on how to prepare our gardens, especially to get them ready for spring. And we also talk a lot about just some of our favorite recipes from her book, The Herbalist Kitchen, Delicious Nourishing Food for Lifelong Health and Well-Being. And listen, if you have not got a copy of this book yet, I encourage all of you to get a copy. It is such an amazing book. I do not like complicated cookbooks. I hate it when I get cookbooks that have recipes that have, you know, over 20 ingredients and they take an hour to prepare. Her recipes are simple. Most of them are less than six ingredients and they're super easy to put together. And oh my God, the flavors are amazing. If you are interested in her cookbook, you can go to her website to pick up a copy. I believe it's also on Amazon, but hey, if you want to learn how to do this yourself, she actually has online courses and she also has a fantastic homestead where she teaches these classes in person in Massachusetts. So be sure to check her out. But today we're going to talk about how you can winterize your garden, how to prep your herbs for fall, and some of the most amazing recipes straight out of her book, The Herbalist Kitchen. Are you ready? Let's get started. Truth is, is you don't have to do much. Um, in fact, one of the things that I'm learning as my life unfolds is that you can really wait to do to, until spring to do a lot of cutting back um, and some of the things that you might otherwise feel pressure to do in the fall. I know when I first started perennial gardening, I felt that I had to cut everything back in the fall and get it all ready and do all these things. And I hardly ever get to that anymore. And my gardens are just fine in the spring. <laughs> um, so I think giving yourself that kind of permission that life's a process and every year is going to be different and sometimes your garden is going to be all tucked away and in really great shape come spring and sometimes you're going to have a lot of work to do and that's okay um so i think that um the first thing to do is to know your plants does your plant have any 
particular kind of need coming into the winter season. I know for myself, I can't overwinter an herb like rosemary in my, um, I'm zone five. I can't overwinter an herb like rosemary. So for me, getting my garden ready for winter would include like digging up my rosemary and putting it in a pot and bringing it into my house. Um, and then I also do some mulching. Um, you don't have to mulch, um, but sometimes mulching can help certain plants. For example, lavender, which is can overwinter in my climate, but doesn't always make it through the winter, might benefit from a little bit of mulching. Um, that said, the most important thing with lavender is that it's planted in really well-drained soil. So it's less about the mulching and more about is it in a muddy spot or a sandy spot? And I would much prefer to be in a sandy spot for overwintering. Um, if it's in a, you know, kind of a really moist soil, then as the ground freezes, the roots will really suffer for that particular plant. Um, so some, so it's just about knowing your plants. Does your plant need any extra winter pampering? Um, and then an added bonus to get you ready for the spring and make spring easier is to cut everything back. Um, and so for, um, then this would be mostly for your perennial herbs, things like thyme and sage and oregano. And cutting back um, will make it so that in the spring, as the snow melts, I don't know how much snow you all get where you are, but as the snow melts, you can just rake your garden out and everything will start to pop up. Whereas if you don't cut back in the fall, you'll have to cut back in the spring before you rake up. So, I mean, I think a lot of it's just a matter of personal preference and what makes people feel um, good as they head into the winter slumber. But the plants probably don't care whether they're cut back in the winter or the, or the um, spring, the fall or the spring. But you do recommend bringing some of your plants in. I think that's fascinating that you're, you're saying to bring your rosemary in. I've never done that. It's always died because it gets cold. And I'm like, well, I guess I got to buy more. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Rosemary is a really, um, a lot of these, the herbs that I work with culinarily, um, which I've mentioned are um, of the Mediterranean tradition. Rosemary in particular, yes, of that region, really can't withstand hard frost especially hard repeated frost. Um, and once the soil freezes, the ground freezes, the rosemary is pretty much done. So if you live in any kind of climate where that's the case for you, you will want to dig it up and bring it in. And what about some of the other herbs? Like you mentioned sage, how do they fare? And do you recommend bringing that in too? No, you shouldn't have to. I don't have to um, in my climate. That's a perennial. Um, and it's a woody perennial. And I mentioned cutting things back in the fall, but there are a couple of plants like sage and rosemary being great examples that I actually prefer to wait until the spring. Um, and I wait until the spring when they've just started leafing out and I just give them a haircut. And that stimulates fresh growth and makes it so that you have some really tender leaves and flowers um, coming off of the more woody stems. So that's a nice way to maintain those plants. So for somebody who's totally new, maybe they're in an apartment and they have a little balcony and I would say some of the common ones are basil, sage, uh, rosemary, maybe thyme, uh, oregano. What would be some of your recommendations as things are starting to get more pitiful? Like my oregano is already starting to kind of like, <laughs> um, do they dry it? Do they bring it just in the house? What are some of your recommendations on, on how to kind of extend that harvest, so to speak? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, 
So with oregano is a great example because oregano is, um, as many of these plants are, they come up early in the spring and oregano will come up, you know, early. So, so let's see. So last year's growth is dead in the spring. You cut it back and what's left are, you know, little sprouts of new oregano from the following year. And they grow up and they're in their glory and their prime for you know, using for cooking for about a month. And then they start to go to flower and the stalks get woodier. And you can certainly still use both the flowers and the leaves in your cooking, but they're not tender, they're not the same. So if you wanted to extend that crop rather than yours, which is now falling over, you could actually say midsummer, cut back the whole thing and you'll get a whole second growth. It basically stimulates like spring growth again. And so all those branches that you've cut back will just have a second flush and you'll get another beautiful crop of really fresh, vibrant oregano that's nice and tender that's great for cooking. Um, and then if you wanted, you could also harvest before it got really woody and tough, you could harvest that oregano and dry it. Um, and store it. And in recipes from the Herbalist Kitchen, there is a section on drying and storing herbs and how you might do that from your own garden um, if you're interested in doing that. Um, so, in the, and I think kind of using the example of oregano is great because it shows us that we can have different cycles through these plants' lives. Like a lot of a lot of the, all these plants at some point are going to go to flower. But most, in most cases, we use the leaves and not the flowers. So, harvesting the leaves before the flowers come out, you're gonna have more potent flavors and usually a softer, um, more tender texture. That said, I use them for my garden all year round. So there's a lot of flexibility, but if you are gonna cut them back and dry them and use them in cook, um, cooking and or save them for the year, I would definitely recommend um, doing that at their peak, which would be before flowering. Um, and I think that you'll just get a, like a slightly better quality. But it doesn't mean you should, you know, if you forget, like right now yours is falling over, you can still harvest it and dry it and um, use it. I feel very flexible in these things. And I think that's one of the beauties of cooking with herbs is, you know, it's not like we're trying to make a standardized herbal extract of oregano that's going to go on the supermarket shelf and boast that it has X number of units of these different constituents. Like this is about a lifestyle and incorporating these herbs into our diet for flavor and for you know really like the experience of it um and so you can do that at any point which is great yeah i'm convinced if i just talk to them a little sweeter and give them a little bit more love that they'll completely revive themselves <laughs> let me ask you when we talked uh earlier this year you had really talked about this idea of when we ingest these herbs how great they can be uh, the healing properties and, and helping our digestion, does it change at all when we cook with the dried version as opposed to the fresh version? Um, not necessarily, but I think it depends a little bit on the herb because some herbs dry better than others. Um, so basil, for example, it is really so wonderful fresh mm -hmm. and dried is good and I use it sometimes, but it's really not the same. It's like a whole different culinary experience. And I would say the same is true of parsley and cilantro. You know, 
fresh. Those are really vibrant, flavorful, so alive tasting in your food, even just a couple tablespoons. But to put, a, to put it dried into a dish, you wouldn't taste the flavor in the same way. That said, the med other medicinal properties besides aromatic oils in those herbs, like for example, parsley is very, very high in all kinds of vitamins and minerals, like a full spectrum. Um, if you dried it and then you put it in your cooking, you'd still be getting those vitamins and minerals. So it's not to say that there's no use in doing it, but the flavor um, result would be very, very different. Um, other herbs like oregano, sage, thyme, it, you know, there's a little bit of a difference between fresh and dried, but they're still so potent and delicious when they're dried that it's really not a big deal. I was making a soup the other day and it was raining. And um, when, it's, when it's raining, when it's cloudy and the sun's not out, usually the flavor of these herbs isn't as potent because so much of the flavor is, are their aromatic qualities, which come out more when the sun's shining. Um, and so, you know, I, here I am, like I could go out in the rain and harvest fresh thyme, or I could use the thyme that's dried on my kitchen spice shelf. And for me, it's a no-brainer to just use the thyme that's dried on the kitchen spice shelf, because it, if anything, it might be more potent uh, at this time of the year at, and on a rainy, cloudy day. Awesome. Well, one of the things that I did want to, I wanted to encourage people to try to, um, really extend their harvest the best that they can and encourage them to try it, maybe try drying them. Uh, like Brittany said, she's got a great section in her book regarding drying. The other thing that you have in here um, is you've got a section on um, really great recipes for all seasons and we are coming into fall. So I wanted to know, um, and again, the, the name of the book is The Herbalist Kitchen, Recipes from the Herbalist Kitchen, and this is by Brittany Nickerson. Um, you've got some really great recipes in here for fall. Um, one of my favorites that I've tried is the white fish with herb butter, but I'm curious what one of your favorite recipes is from the book that's perfect for fall. Well, I do love that white fish recipe, and I'll confess that I make it at many seasons of the year. It does so not have good. <laughs> it's so good. Because what it teaches you to do is make that herb butter, and then you, it, it says it's just three tablespoons fresh herbs of your choice. So, you know, any season of the year that you have access to fresh herbs, you can make this dish. So um, I do love that one. Um, so for me, fall is about settling down into those really cozy roots. It's about reconnecting with like the hearth and the home. And I like to do fall cleaning and tidying up my house and redecorating and, and just getting ready to nest as I prepare for winter. And so I'm really drawn to these foods that make my house smell really good and that just kind of fill my soul and my belly up with that similar sensation, if you will. Um, and that feeling. So a lot of the, uh, and the foods that we have seasonally available to us are, we're getting down into the roots. Like literally we have more root vegetables. We have hard squashes, we have leeks and onions and garlic and these kinds of just really earthy, rich, flavorful foods. Um, and so the fall section of recipes from the herbalist kitchen really focuses on that. Um, and you'll notice that they're more cooked foods, they're warmer, and they often use spices that are a little bit richer as well. Um, so I'm going to point out this baked sweet potatoes with sesame peanut aioli. Those and are so good. 
Oh, they're so good. I am such an aioli fan. Aioli is like, for folks that don't know, it's a, it's a homemade mayonnaise. It's often olive oil based. And this one uses a combination of, um, it actually uses toasted and regular sesame oil. Um, and you use, um, egg yolks to thicken it and it has roasted peanuts in it. Um, and so you're roasting these sweet potatoes, slicing them up and roasting them almost like sweet potato fries, quote unquote, but they're baked. And then you have this delicious aioli to dip them with. Um, so that's a real favorite of mine. And then the other one that I'll point out is this leek and gorgonzola custard. And leeks are another really fantastic fall crop that um, have so much nutritional value and are so delicious. And this is a really just a spectacular, incredibly rich recipe, but it's really wonderful for, um, I've done all kinds of things with it. I brought it to potlucks. I've had it with appetizer spreads, but I'll also, um, you know, I'll make it for a simple dinner. I'll have like a toasted baguette and this leek and gorgonzola custard. And I'll serve it with like a radicchio salad or an endive salad. Um, and actually that is one of the, the next recipes in, is um, chicories with warm vinaigrette. And that's um, all these fall hearty lettuces from the chicory family. I call them lettuces. They're not lettuces. They're chicories. Um, things like escarole, radicchio, endive, frisee. Um, and you're tossing them with a dressing that's made with um, leeks sauteed in um, butter with w uh, white wine and then you add your vinegar so it's a warm salad dressing so so it's like again all the things of of the fall foods it's like yeah we might still have a salad but we warm it up with this rich warm dressing and you know really getting into that that um, the spirit if you will um, of fall so those recipes can complement each other really well if you wanted to serve them together for a simple meal I think what's great too is on a lot of these recipes, you give some recommendations. So like on the white fish with herbed butter, you give some really great herb combinations that people may not think of like chives, tarragon and lavender, which is so good. And it, you know, for me, I was like, lavender, really? <laughs> but I tried it and it was amazing. And so I think some of the combinations are really great to try and a lot of these another one of my favorite recipes is the poached peaches with tarragon and you actually made a side note that tarragon can make your mouth feel numb and I was like I'm so glad she said that <laughs> did it happen to you yes it's so weird isn't it <laughs> so you know I I the wasabi pesto you know, because wasabi's so hot, like I expect it from that, but I'm eating peaches and I'm like, what is happening to my mouth? <laughs> <laughs> totally. So, and... It's still peach season down there? We're still lucky enough to be in peach season. Oh. Yeah. It, I mean, it, yeah, it's a great... We usually get it well through September. We'll have peaches, so I think those are great. Um and like the poached eggs with Bernays, I mean, classic. I mean, who doesn't love that? I think it's absolutely delicious. Um, there yeah, and so a lot of late summer recipes are also, you know, fall's a transition season. And so you can pull in early fall from late summer recipes and then in late fall pulling from winter recipes um, can really round out the different foods that you're thinking about and fall uh, and the quinoa salad oh so good with radishes and carrots so good you're doing so much cooking from this book i'm so honored amanda yeah well and that's why i really wanted to have you back on because uh Brittany was kind enough to do a fantastic um 
code for the book and we we got a lot of emails regarding the show and questions about the herbs and stuff yeah. but i really want people to take advantage of the book and to get a copy of the book because what i think is really great about the recipes is you fully explain the benefits of the herbs how to combine the herbs how to harvest the herbs how to dry the herbs but to me all of these recipes are extremely approachable like there are some recipe books out there that i'm like i don't know what the hell that means and i've got to go and google it and i don't want to go google my recipe right. <laughs> and you can't always spend all afternoon cooking and I, I i tell people people don't often believe me but in a way i'm sort of a lazy cook because you know i love to cook but i have a busy life and only so much time. And so you'll find that some of the recipes in, are involved, but a lot of them are incredibly simple. And I think that that is an important that we can make some of these changes and embrace this lifestyle without it having to bog us down. Yeah. Um, I mean, most of these recipes have less than eight ingredients and in most of them are, are averaging around five to six. They're extremely simple. They really encourage you to eat well and really take advantage of your palate um, and all of the herbs and spices. I mean, there are so many delicious recipes in here and the combinations that you have are fantastic, but they are simple. Like you feel fancy because the results are like so amazing, but like nobody would know that it's like pretty basic stuff. So That's it's good feedback because I think that a lot of it is the herbs, you know, that yeah. the herbs are really featured. And I think the other piece is like, I'm looking at this, um, uh, recipe from the transform chapter red pepper and feta amuse bouche amuse bouche means to amuse the mouth yeah you love that one um and so and the whole point of this recipe again it's only six in, it's less than six ingredients if you count salt and pepper it's like four ingredients and um but but the beauty of it and why it works is that you are slow caramelizing the peppers in really delicious olive oil and so it's about the preparation and I think that, that when you start to understand like how and why cooking works, you're like, oh, I don't need a lot of ingredients. I just need a really delicious pepper, some super flavorful herbs, a little good salt, and then I need to prepare it just right to bring out the flavors of this already delicious in this oh, case. These are so good. I've made these too. <laughs> so good. And you know, one of my students brought these to a potluck and she just actually prepared them more like a salad. She sauteed the peppers and then rather than plating them with the feta cheese on top, she actually just had a bowl of the peppers that had been sauteed and tossed with the parsley and garlic. And then she had crumbled feta on top. And that worked really well as an as a, um, adaptation to serve to a larger group. Awesome. Well, I encourage everybody to grab a copy of this book. It's the recipes are so flavorful, flavorful, and they're they're so fresh. They're easy. Um, I'm kind of a lazy cook too. Like I don't have a lot of time, and you know I've done some of those um, recipe boxes, like uh, plated in those where they come to, and it's like it's an hour of prep. And like I'm sorry, I don't have that kind of time. Like it's just it's too long, um, especially when we devour it in 15 to 20 minutes. So. I think that so many of these are so delicious and so flavorful, flavorful, and the uh, the ingredients, like each one, is so easy and approachable to do. And then you give so many great suggestions, little tips on how to boost it or amplify it, make it a little bit better, or things to try. And like I said on the the herbs with the fish, I would have never combined lavender in that. I would have never tried that, and it was so good. 
I'm so glad you trusted it and tried it and then loved it. That's such a great story. Well, and it, I, one of my favorite fish, fishes is cod, which is such a light flaky fish. And so to me, it really allowed the herbs to shine through and to be so flavorful. I cannot say that word today, flavorful. And I think it's because I'm getting so excited about the herbs. Yeah, really. <laughs> but it, it is, it, it was such a great combination. And the parsley and garlic and the thyme and the lemons, the thyme and the lemon zest is really good. Mm -hmm. The garlic and the, the parsley was, you know, not one of my favorites, but, you know, my friends loved it. But okay. the thyme and lemon well, zest. Well, that one's a little bit tamer for your, you know, you probably cook with parsley and garlic all the time. It is tamer. So yeah. I, I de the thyme and the lemon, because I do love lemon, especially uh, Meyer lemons. Oh, they're so good. But yeah. I think that the, with a really good, uh, delicate, flaky fish, it's just, it's so good. I agree. I love it. And you can use any kind of white fish that you have access to, but I also do really love cod. And my daughter, who's 19 months, she has really loves fish and she'll eat any of these herb butters on the fish too. She, butter was one of her first words. So that hasn't been a hard I like one. her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Brittany, thank you so much for coming back on the show. I'm hoping that I will encourage and, um, help people want to like prolong their harvest and encourage them to get a copy of the book and, and try some of these amazing recipes. If people are interested in learning more about you, where can they go to find you, stalk you and get information yeah. <laughs> about your work? Cause you've got a lot of great classes too. Yeah. So my um, website is time herbal and time is like the herb. So T H Y M E H E R B A L timeherbal.com. And through there, you can link to all of our social media pages. Um, you can order the book. Um, you can find out about my, the online herbal classes that I teach. Um, and we had talked about maybe doing a book giveaway on Instagram. So maybe we'll do that. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be great. So yes. that might be an opportunity for folks to, you know, learn more and connect and hopefully win the book. <laughs> yes. And, and try all these amazing recipes and then they can get back to us and we can get back on here again and talk about all the things that they've done. Exactly. And I have, um, on my blog, I have a lot of recipes. The blog is through the website at timerable.com. And then I also post recipes often on Instagram or Facebook. So following on social media will also give folks access to a lot of seasonal inspiration and recipes and whatnot. Awesome. Well, thank you again for doing this. I so appreciate you. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. To quote Alfred Austin, to nurture a garden is to feed your soul. And I think it's so true. We talk a lot about on this show about the importance of just getting back into the natural rhythms of life and the natural rhythms of this earth. And so I think being able to tend to a garden, whether that be big or small, I think it's so much fun to grow your own herbs and to cook with them and learn more about what they do on a healing level for our bodies. Brittany's book, The Herbalist Kitchen, actually goes into great detail about the properties of each food, the vitamin content and the healing properties like digestion and how they help us in so many ways. And not to mention they taste really good. So 
I hope that this podcast has answered a lot of your questions. I know many of you had written in and, and had questions around our gardens and how to start prepping them for fall. So you've now had two really great podcasts on your garden, the 41 ways to feng shui your garden, and now Brittany's tips on how to start winterizing your garden and some fantastic recipes as well. You can go to her website, Time Herbal, to learn more. I'd also like to remind you that the course that I've created, Mastering Feng Shui with Confidence, is coming out. Uh, we will be officially launching in about a week and a half. So if that's something that you're interested in, be sure to get on the wait list to be notified or our email newsletter to be notified of that. We're not going to be doing like a ton of emails and stuff like that because I think it's annoying. And also, I want to say, if you are interested in learning more about getting a floor plan reading from me, be sure to go over to our website to learn more information or to reach out to us. You can find more information at gatesinteriordesign.com. Fill out the contact form and Deborah will get in contact with you. All right, everyone, trust the vibe because the energy never lies. 